Hey, Christy. Hey, Edith. What did the grape say when it was crushed? What? Nothing, but it let out a little wine. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips. A fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. everybody. Hi, everybody, and hi, Christy. Hi, Edith. Uh, welcome to episode 47. What are you folks doing out there? Are you in the garden? Uh, maybe you're in the bathroom reading. <laughs> because it is. It's National Reading in the Bathroom Month. You know what else it is, Christy? Huh? It is Please Take My Children to Work Month. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> I would have loved to have gone to, with my mom to work. That would have oh, been fun. Oh, yeah. I would love to have gone with my dad, too. Or have someone else take my children away to their work. That would have been perfect. So you could spend more time reading in the bathroom. Or gardening, Christy. Or gardening. Or reading about gardening in the bathroom. That's right. That's right. Hey, should we do a nice shout-out to uh, one of our garden party members? Yes, I think we should. All right. Let's do a shout-out today to Taylor C., Thank you for being a member of our garden party. Thank you, Taylor. This means that Taylor just throws a couple bucks our way every month so that we can keep doing this fun podcast. Yeah. And um, should we mention our merch? Yes. Go for it. Okay. We have merch. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) We have stuff you can get that says Upside Down Tulips on it. It could say it on a t-shirt. It could say it on a cup. On a tote? On a tote. I have all those things. On a notebook. And if you're a member of the garden party, you can get some of those fun rewards. Yes, you can. All right, Edith. Yes. How's your garden going? Okay. I'm going to do the bad news first. There's a lot of bad news. Really, really disappointed and surprised. Oh, no. Last week, remember I told you that my one Michelin cabbage, which I never grew before, I took off the developing seeds hoping to save it? Uh-huh. No. That's because it was it was bolting, which means that if the flower, if it starts to flower, then you don't have any cabbage. Yeah, then the cabbage gets bitter and it's gone to seed, as we say. You know, like we talk about old people that are angry, they've gone to seed. <laughs> um, it, it's true, right? Okay. So, so I got rid of that one, but I still had one really beautiful one that was like eight inches high. Uh-huh. It, too, developed seed pods. Oh, no. So do you think I, it's because it was so hot last I week? I do, I guess. You know, um, I tasted it. It's delicious. So I'm going to harvest what's there. Oh, good. Uh, the, as, as Because it's been so hot, the spinach and cilantro is going to seed. But that's expected. That is to be expected. Unless, of course, you grow spinach specifically for the heat. Yeah. Like New Zealand spinach or Malabar spinach. But the worst news of all is I don't think I'm going to have any plums this year. What? I'm, I I know. I went out there and the ones that I have, I have like 10. They're gnarled and they've got black spots on them. It looks like, and, and I don't see any bugs. It We haven't had a frost. You know, they must not have gotten pollinated. 
Oh, or I was going to say, could it have been because we had that late frost in May? But the blossoms stayed on. I But oh. I wonder if that's what it could be. My peaches are amazing, and they're in the same yard. The peaches are pollinated like crazy. Yeah, the plums would have been pollinated. That's my guess. Like, would bees be that persnickety? No, they would probably they, wouldn't. Would they be go like, we're not going over to the plums, we just want peaches? Yeah. Okay, I think your theory may be right, but in any case, it's really awfully disappointing. Oh, I know, because you always make plum jam. Yeah. And plum butter. All the wonderful things with plums. And plum jelly. Plum ice cream. And yeah. plum bagels. Plum bagels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the good news now. Okay. The, the peaches look great. Good. The peas are coming in. The kale looks good. Some leaves are ready to be picked and eaten. Um, don't forget, folks, if you have something like kale, don't take the whole plant up. You don't have to. Just take leaves of it. Leave the plant and it'll grow more. Yeah. Just slowly eat it bit by bit. Yeah, bit by bit. It's not torture. It's the way it likes it. <laughs> I still haven't planted my beans. Oh, my goodness. I've got time. I was going to take out the peas and then put the beans in the same place. My beans are flowering. Yeah, I'm a little late. <laughs> um, I got some. Remember, I had to pull out what I thought were cucumbers because they weren't. Yes, so you thought they were spaghetti squash. They, Yeah, I thought they were cucumbers. They are spaghetti squash. So I Ugh. pulled them out. And a neighbor, a friend, Dawn, gave me three thrice-potted cucumbers. In other words, she raised them, she planted them in her garden, she took them out of her garden to give to me, and I planted them in my garden. Wow. And two of them made it. I mean, they That's look, a pretty good percentage. That's a great percentage for moving them so much. Yeah, and especially in this time of year. When it gets warmer. Exactly. Nobody likes being moved. Nobody yeah. likes moving. Nobody likes, you know, cucumbers don't like having to rent the van uh -huh. and get all their stuff in there. Heavy and lifting, asking the neighbors, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the only other, well, other good things, there's blossoms on the tomatoes and on my cantaloupe. And I've done lots of weeding and watering and the scapes are ready. Ooh, so scapes are, they're the tender stem and flower bud of a garlic. It comes out of the garlic, and at the top it makes a curly cue, and then you can see the flower bud with the seeds inside. So you cut them off, and you eat them like, like you would scallions or leek. You can cook with them. If you don't cut them off, your resulting garlic are kind of tasteless and little, because all the energy, of course, goes into the seeds. I saw a recipe where somebody made pesto out of scapes. Good. Thank you for reminding me. My neighbor, Stephanie, gave me a jar of scape pesto. And I tasted it this morning, and it was so good. Awesome. Yeah. That's everything from my garden, good and bad. Yours? Edith, last week you talked about to try to tell the difference between a black swallow caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I saw a black swallow butterfly this week. You did? So beautiful. In fact, the yellow swallowtails have been all over the yard. You saw a black one? I did. Oh, You know, it's so black, beautiful. but it has that neon blue trim on the edges. Mm -hmm. And they're huge. They're like, you know, five inches wide, oh aren't God, they? so pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, on the tomato front, remember those tomatoes that I winter sowed, which means that I put them out in milk jugs in April, and they germinated really late, and I went away and they had just popped up and maybe they were like 
an inch high uh-huh. and you babysat them for me and uh-huh. then they were two inches high. Yeah. Well, now they're like six inches high. Wow. So I'm kind of wondering, this is probably just a fool's errand to think, will those tomatoes ever, let's see, it's the, uh, it's the end of June right now. Will they, will they ever get it into the ground or should I put them? I don't know. I'm still, it's the fun part about it. I'm still watering them. I still, they still are in the milk jug. I would put them in the ground. And I'll tell you why is because we had a frost last year and we extended our season by a few weeks, if you remember. Yeah. By making the tents and stuff that we made to protect our garden. So why not? What the hey? We'll see if these milk jug tomatoes make it. Yeah. Now, remember last year I named all my tomatoes in the garden after the Brady Bunch because uh-huh. they were all on a grid. Yeah. So I had them all on a grid again. And, you, you know, it's never a good sign when I name the tomatoes because it means that I'm naming it for a reason. Last year it was Alice. Alice had some sort of wilt on her and I ended up throwing her in the garbage. And you felt bad. I it did. Was I felt personal. terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to introduce everybody this week to Cindy Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy. Cindy is my Roma tomato. And she's got these little black spots on it. Oh, no. And I think it's septoria leaf spot. Now, folks, this is not the end of the world. You know, the good is not the enemy of perfect. And you can expect some chewing and some things happening to your vegetables this year. And there are ways to get around it. So I'm going to borrow some of your Castile soap. And I'm going to make a, a fungicide from home, which is one teaspoon of baking soda Added to a quart of warm water with a drop of clean liquid dish soap. Mm-hmm. So not Dawn. No. But a more pure soap that I'm going to borrow from you, Edith. And I'm going to spray that. And then I'm going to keep an eye on my other ones. And we'll kind of see yeah. what happens. Good, good, good. Mm. Mm-hmm. I had the most amazing flower slash weed go to seed in my yard. Edith, have you seen these giant dandelion type weeds? Yeah. You mean with the huge puffballs? Huge puffballs. Everywhere this year. Yes, I have. And you can't really see them until they bloom. Like they're kind of sneaky that way. They kind of hide in between. And I discovered, I looked it up because I was so interested. This is called a Western Salisfy. It looks like a dandelion on steroids. Some people call it a wildflower. Some people call it a weed. Hmm. But this is a plant that follows the sun. So it, you know, when it opens flowers and it points toward the sun and it follows it across the sky and closes in the late afternoon. And North America, um, it was brought to North America by settlers as a food plant because the roots and the leaves taste like oysters. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I ripped that sucker out. You did? Did you taste the roots? No, I just ripped it out. I didn't know that part yet. I ripped it out. And then speaking of weeds, last week you talked about the weed that spreads on the ground that looks like a lace collar that Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to wear. Yes. I looked it up and that is called a prostrate spurge. So it's a ground hugging mat with stems that grow outward. And it, as Edith said last week, folks, it's important to remove these weeds as soon as possible because this weed can produce copious amounts of viable seed very quickly after germination. Yeah. They, uh, I, I get them out right away because they're already going to seed. I used the weeder you gave me that had the little forked tongue on it and uh-huh. that worked really, really well. Um, and right now I'm waiting for my poppies to finish dying back so I can collect the seeds from it. 
I love ornamental poppies, but they're a kind of a flash in the pan in the summer. You really you could enjoy it for like a good week, week and a half, and then they're done. But you know, when they die back, eat it. They just look terrible, don't they? Well, they're, they're just they're not scraggly. As, yeah, they're not as pretty, yellowy and browny. But if you want to save the seeds, you can't cut those stalks off until that has truly died away. Mm-hmm. And friends, the way to make sure that your ornamental seed heads from your poppies are ready to harvest is at the bottom of the stalk where the little poppy head is, give it a little shake. And if you can hear little seeds in the seed head, sort of like a pepper shaker, Uh then it's time. Nice. So I'm just slowly, it just looks like terrible right now. So I'm trying to decide how many poppy seeds I really want to save. I gave some notes to some of our garden party members. Oh, good. So good. You know, don't forget, if you're a member of the garden party of a certain level, you can get seeds from our garden. So yes, maybe you can have some of my poppy seeds. And then the last thing I'll say is my lavender is starting to bloom. Oh, good. Is oh, yours yet? Nope, not yet. Well, that's so weird because we live three blocks away. Well, I mean, I can see. I mean, is it starting to open up? Yeah. I, no, mine is not. Oh, interesting. Well, this time I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to do a first harvest of it so I can get fresher. Oh, you mean Lavender. you're going to cut off? Yeah. You're going to cut off the flowers. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to enjoy them for a little bit. Yeah. But before they start, usually I'm just too late with it and they've already faded. I'm going to try to get them just when they're about to start to fade. I'm going to harvest them. So then I hopefully I'll get a second flush. Oh, oh, that's in good. In August, September. Good, good. Okay, good. I'll do that too as soon as they blossom. So we've updated everything. What's next? Well, friends, if you ever hear words or terms that you're not familiar with, or you want a good laugh, why don't you check out Upside Down Tulips Dictionary on our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Or click on the link in our show notes. We have blog posts there too. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter and get updates and funny garden signs. And if you want to see pictures of our gardens, inspirations, and gardening jokes, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Oh, don't forget, we have a YouTube channel as well. Imagine the garden, idyllic, bucolic, an oasis of peace and beauty. But down below, on the ground, it's a very different story. Be advised the following scene contains violence, suggestions of bug sex, and may not have a happy Disney ending. Meet Lulu and Lily Ladybug, munching on thrips and parsley. Lulu Ladybug, I haven't seen you in ages. I laid my eggs, 980 of them. I think that's a record for this garden. Congratulations. Everything going well with the larvae? Mostly, but there's a few of them that will not eat the aphids on the roses. Such picky eaters. Maybe tell them to try the mealy bugs on the melon? Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you, Lily. Oh, there goes Jiminy again. I have not slept in days. Jiminy Cricket, get a room. Why would he get a room? He doesn't even have a mate. That's his whole problem right there. I'm just so tired. All those larvae, no sleep. Maybe you could go over there and boom chicka boom boom. Oh, boom chicka boom boom. Are you serious? I'm not even the same species as a cricket. Who do you think I am? 
a ladybug layabout? Oh, no, of course not, Lily. I don't know what I was thinking. Don't be mad. I am mad. I'm ladybug mad. You're right, though. That is really annoying. Oh, no. It's McDougal, the awful next-door neighbor. He's spraying pesticides again. Come on, Lily. Let's get under the rhubarb. Doesn't he know that spraying that poison all over his yard means that we ladybugs will never go over there and eat his pests? And it will kill his bees as well? And the pesticides will drift over here and could kill everything in this garden, too. Which might not be bad in all cases. Lulu! I didn't mean it. Jiminy, join us under the rhubarb before you get asphyxiated. It looks like Jiminy found someone. Jiminy, love can wait. Get over here and under the rhubarb. <gasps> oh, no. They're dead. Killed by love. Love didn't kill them. Awful next-door neighbor McDougal killed them. They were like Romeo and Juliet Cricket. I will never get over this. Lily, look, it's a white fly. Delicious white flies. Let's go get him. Yum, 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 yum. delicious. Oh, I forget what we were talking about. Ladybugs have very tiny brains, so they get over things quickly. Not so your soil, which does not do well with chemicals. Grow something organically whenever possible. Your ladybugs and neighbors will thank you. Thank you! Okay, Christy, I love those characters, those those little ladybugs. Uh-huh. Why don't we do our anniversary episode as Lily and Lulu Ladybug? Huh? You don't think people would find that <laughs> annoying after about 15 seconds? I, I really don't think so. No, I don't. What if we did them and they were drunk? Do them as drunk? Drunk ladybugs. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You know, Lulu, I really love you. Oh, thank you, Lily. You're my best friend. Oh, no, seriously. God. Seriously, Lulu, you are my best friend. That's my drunk ladybug. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's listen, really good. Listen here. Listen here. My drunk sounds like John Wayne. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Your drunk sounds like John Wayne. Okay, well, um, let's go back to our regular voices because this is not the anniversary episode, which is coming right up in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Folks, we're excited about that. We'll have something for you. Let's talk about vines. Which is not to be confused with red vines. The licorice. Yes, right, right. Right, right. A vine is any plant that has a growth habit or trailing or a scandent stem and can reach the sun wherever it is. Oh, yeah. Grows to reach the sun. Oh. Sure. And I think every garden should have some vines in it. It's really the missing puzzle piece because it's good for what you want to hide. Not only that, but it's a space saver. Huge space saver when you grow up. When you have a small piece of land, you save so much space and hides things, looks beautiful, reaches the sun quicker. If you want to hide a fence, you should grow a vine. Mm -hmm. If you want to hide an ugly pole, you can grow a vine. Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't really work so well if you want to hide your hips. I tried that. <laughs> I put some vine around my hips to hide that. And I might have made it a little worse. I'm not sure. <laughs> a vine symbolizes strength, determination, endurance, and survival. Like Tarzan. <laughs> That's why he swung on it. They exactly. knew all this stuff. They did their research. Vines are amazing. The largest vine in the world is the Great Vine in Hampton Court Palace in the UK. It is 250 years old. Wow. It is 13 feet across the base. The longest rod of uh -huh. this vine uh -huh. is 120 feet. They still harvest grapes off of it to this very day. Wow. Wow. Vines also serve as homes for birds, songbirds. They can nest in there. And I know this is very true as we are moving on to flowers that the most significant item in my whole yard are my trumpet vines, which birds live in all the time. Oh, nice. My trumpet vine, I don't know how many I have. I probably have like 12 or so. They they are all over my house. They line a huge hedge where I think these vines are like, I don't know, they're like four or five inches thick. Christy, I've seen them go straight up a telephone pole in an alley. So they, I don't have any, but they seem incredibly mm. hardy. The, the plus side about them is that they are beautiful when they're in bloom. They have a big, huge trumpet orange flower, or they can be yellow or red. They attract tons of bees and birds and hummingbirds. However, they can be known as a nuisance to some people because they are so aggressive. Mm. They are very fast growing. They have underground runners. They self-seed. They have seed pots. They can quickly escape where you have planted them and form a thicket that can choke out other plants. It's impossible to prune it too much. So you can just prune away. You can just cut it down and mm -hmm. it'll come back. Every... Every three or so years, we cut, we do a severe cut. And then we also have to repaint the trim on our house oh, wow. every three to five years. And the painters always come by and they say, you know what you really need to do? Is get rid of it. You need it. to get rid of these vines. So I'm thinking, well, first of all, I can't get rid of them. I actually like them. And so that means I have to repaint the trim, you know, every three to five years. When it's you severely prune, do you do it when it's dormant in the winter or do you do it another time? That's a great question. Trumpet vines bloom on new stems. So you want to prune early in the spring before growth starts. Okay. They're good and full and partial shade. They like all types of soil. They like moist soil, but they tolerate drought. And they're good from zones four to nine. Wow. Nice. And mine just started blooming in the end of June, which means I'm going to enjoy these beautiful flowers all over my yard until the first frost. And does it get hummingbirds as well? Absolutely. So, yeah. Everyone's going to enjoy it. Real good. Another vine that I have is a jasmine vine. Somebody gave me seeds last year. I winter sowed them, which means I put them in milk jugs and put them out. They germinated. I had them all summer out. And then I moved it inside as a house plant. Huh. The main appeal of jasmine is it has beautiful glossy green leaves and, of course, those fragrant white or yellow flowers. Mine has not blossomed yet, so I don't know what kind I have. But I did read that jasmines do best when grown in warm, sheltered locations. They have a good tolerance for shady locations. Um, 
Outdoors, a vining jasmine plant can be left on its own to climb where it wants, but indoors, you've got to keep it pruned regularly. My jasmine maybe is about eight inches tall. I have not supported it at all. And by that, I don't mean emotional support because right. I give it a lot of emotional I support. I know you do. I mean physical support to keep it from, to keep it straight and to train it to where I want it to go. I don't know if it's big enough yet. Well, are you going to put it outside eventually? Is that part of the plan or are we too cold here? Well, I think we're too cold. Okay. So I could take it outside for the summer. I could, I could give it a little vacation. Mm, that That's would the thing be good. I could do. Yeah, that would be good. Um, what are some of the vines that you have, Edith? I have a honeysuckle. Um, they are wonderful because they will cover, they can drape themselves over walls. Um, you can cut them down too to within a foot of the ground because they too can take over just like the trumpet vine. Um, I, I like them. They smell beautiful. Oh, they smell beautiful. I got it right outside my bedroom window. When I put the fan on, it sucks that good smelling air in. Is it blooming now? Yeah, it's blooming now. Uh, it is better, rather than severe, it's better to cut them, removing one-third of the branches each year for three years, rejuvenates the plant without leaving a big hole in it. So that's a really good way to do it. If they're non-native, which they are here, they really can outcompete native plants for nutrients, air, sunlight, and moisture, etc. I think that's true for all the vines that we're talking about. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet pea? Yeah. I cannot stand my sweet pea. Oh, I thought you were just talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but I would never follow with who. I can't stand you, Christy. I There's two kinds of sweet peas. There's a perennial and there's annual. I uh -huh. apparently have a perennial because I've tried to kill the thing. It doesn't die. It just doesn't. doesn't have a fragrance. Uh the seed, get this, the seeds of sweet peas are mildly poisonous. It can cause a condition called lathyris. Symptoms are paralysis, labored breathing, and convulsions. If that's mildly poisonous, <laughs> right? come on. Note to self, I don't want to get any of those. Don't get any of those. It says you're supposed to deadhead them so that the flowers keep coming, but um, I just find them annoying, and I can't kill it. So that's that's my... Sweet pea story. I always wish I could grow wisteria. Me too, Christy. It always looks so beautiful when you see it in magazine covers. All those purple blooms falling over, cascading over yeah. an archway or something. Yeah, these They look like the cover of a romance novel. Yes, with somebody in a bodice and mm -hmm. somebody without a shirt. Mm -hmm. The bodice ripped. <laughs> <laughs> wisteria can grow in... To 30 feet in height and width. But you have to wait five or six years for the vine to mature so it'll produce flowers. The plant only flowers on new growth, so you have to prune regularly in order to keep your vine full of blooms. Prune the vine in late winter by cutting back at least half of the prior year's growth. Wow. And then you can propagate this with cuttings. However, in our neck of the woods, it doesn't work well because it likes moist, Humusy, well-drained, slightly acidic soil, which is the exact opposite of what we have here in Denver, Colorado. Uh -huh. But if you have those conditions and you're in zones five to nine, plant a wisteria. Get one. Get a bodice. Get it on. Let's go. The other famous one are clematis, or as the Brits would say, clematis. And these are the most popular flowering perennial vines just because they have so many large flowers. 
Uh, the Jackman's clematis is probably the most popular of the popular. I um, had one and, and it died after a while. So not as hardy as the honeysuckle for sure. When it comes to annuals, and these are plants that you need to plant every year whose life cycle will be start in the spring, it'll be done in the fall. The most famous and the best annual vine is the morning glory. Ooh, yeah. They are annuals. They will bloom in the morning, hence their name. And they also, um, I started off, I think, with red and with blue, and they have, what do you call it, cross-pollinated yes. each other? And now they're all purple and pink and absolutely gorgeous. Oh, nice. So beautiful. I remember my mother always had blue morning glories in the front of the house, and so that's why I always have one. I always have morning glories in my garden. Mine go around a little fence around my vegetable garden, which seems like a really great idea. However, morning glories mm -hmm. have such profuse seeds that I'm constantly picking up baby morning glories where they don't want to be. Yeah, if you don't if you don't want them for the rest of your life, don't plant them at all. Or no, even no, I really do mean that because I put them in uh, containers and still. They're all over the garden always. It's a great beginning plant, though. I oh, think. I love it. I, I love it. I use it for privacy and beauty mm. on my front porch. I, you know, put strings up and stuff, and they vine really quickly. They can be trained so easily. They're good in all zones. They're good in all zones. I see bees around them all the time, so they're really good for pollinators mm. as well. Another favorite annual vine is the scarlet runner bean. People all over the place love them because they have such colorful blooms, but they are also a they're bean. Edi they're edible so if you, you get them, uh, if you eat them when they're little, the when the pods are little. And they're tender. truly edible beans. Um, in some places of the world, they're perennial, but mostly they're grown as an annual. You can direct sow or start them indoors. What I did with mine is I always collect the beans every year and dry them. And then maybe about a week before I think I'm going to plant them, I test their viability by putting them in a paper towel and mm -hmm. wetting the paper towel and just have it by my sink and just check to see which ones are viable. Which, warning, it's a stinky process. Yeah, that was really that stinky. Was really <laughs> stinky. <laughs> Change that paper towel. A couple other annuals that you can get are nasturtium, which I don't grow, but I've always wanted to, and I think I'm going to do it next year. They are loved for their rich jewel tone color. So they'll be in colors like orange and yellow, red, pink, mahogany. And they also have the really cool leaves. They, they look like little, um, little flowers themselves or these little curly, cute leaves. And the flowers are edible on an asturtium. So they're an edimental. Very good, Edith. Thank you. Full sun, they get 10 feet long. Zones 2 to 11. So everybody should be able to grow one of those. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, I'll just mention the black-eyed Susan vine, which is different than the black-eyed Susan plant. It's just named that because it looks like the black-eyed Susan plant, which means it has a dark center and then a golden yellow on the outside. And those are great for hanging baskets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, it, it's con like a lot of vines, it's considered invasive in many tropical areas like Hawaii or Mexico. But if you just keep your eye on your vines, trim them back, mm -hmm. you'll get lots of flowers. Enjoy. At long last. 
Cafes are open and poetry is back, folks. Get your tickets to the most exciting theatrical experience of the year. It's In the Dirt, a tone poem. Featuring the biggest Icelandic superstar since Björk, Inez Goldberg Gunsrund Dottir, accompanied by Norway's Helmutu Ragnarok. With numbers you'll never forget, get out your tissues for the heartbreaking and soul-searching number, Unkinkable. Is it really such an impossible dream, a wish too far? Call, call. To have and to hold a garden, hose and be able to water my red, red rose on its toes, not its nose, with a hose that's unkinkable. I won't listen. No, don't tell me that that's unthinkable. Don't you see that me and my hose would be unsinkable? Have your faith in humanity reaffirmed with the moving and meaningful He's My Mulch. Mulch! My mulch! You're so much more than just wood chips! Mulch! My mulch! When I lay you down You protect my two lips. Mulch! My mulch! Are we not more than just the passing of two ships? My mulch! You'll thrill to the yearning, urgent heat of... Seeds. Seeds, seeds, give me lots and lots of seeds. My garden's sitting up there and she's got a lot of needs. When I put you in the ground, oh. I'll pat you gently down. Oh. You will grow and I will water and I will fertilize my seeds. And then for you, I'll go around and pull out the weeds. But will you be enough to fill all of my needs? Oh, my seeds. Oh, my seeds. Oh, my seeds. In the Dirt, a tone poem, a new concept in entertainment. Catch it before Disney buys the rights and charges $400 a ticket. Christy, I'm deeply moved by that tone poem. Thank you so much. Wait, I didn't write it. You wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) But you performed it. Oh, thank you. You know, you brought it to life, Christy. Oh, Mm -mm -mm. Speaking of bringing things to life, let's talk about veggies that grow on vines that we can eat. Love it. Okay. How about peas? Mm-hmm. Peas are delicious. <laughs> I wouldn't know, Edith, because I planted peas this year and only two of them germinated. When I transplanted them into the yard, one died and the oh, other one I accidentally thought was a weed and ripped I ripped it out. Ripped it out and I killed it. Well so I cannot talk I don't about know. Peas. I don't I don't know. Um all I can tell you is usually they're the very easy to grow. Usually. <laughs> the the simplest of persons yes, can grow up really freaking pea. 
can't grow a little pea. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with um, me. Anyway, uh, they're a wonderful thing to grow, and they like to be staked. Sometimes I just put them around a tomato cage. Um, what about vines that are beans? There are bush beans? Yes, that's what I grow is a bush bean, so I, I don't have to worry about supporting them. Uh-huh. Emotionally or, or physically you or financially, Christy, I'm not supporting those beans. They you, are on their own. You can only do so much. As a woman <laughs> and right. a gardener and a wife and a cat owner, you can only do so much. I can't even grow a pea. Speaking of that, listen to this. There are three varieties of be- beans I want to talk about, the, the vine beans. And the first one was has been around since 1810, and it was the first stringless bean, and they named it. The lazy housewife bean. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you believe right. it? I know. It's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. The lazy, like like everyone is going to be sitting around pulling the string off of beans and if you don't do it, you're lazy. So there's that. Uh, this one is still available. It is good for growing zones 3 to 11. Grows 8 to 9 feet. Here's one that I never heard of that looks amazing called the Asian winged bean. Have you heard of that? No. Christy, this is so beautiful looking. It has pods with four winged edges, like scalloped edges. They're so beautiful. They are delicious, supposedly. They're nut-flavored pods, and you can even eat the leaves. It's been popular in Asia for many years, and just now becoming popular here because of its high protein content. It sounds like a cartoon character. <laughs> like something you'd see in an anime cartoon. Yes. The Asian wing bean to the rescue. <laughs> well, listen, you, we're gonna, I'm going to try to grow this next year. I'm going to look where I can get the seeds and try to grow it. And the final one is the one that I have grown, which is the Blue Lake Stringless Bean. And they don't call this one Lazy Housewife. They just call it Blue Lake Stringless. They grow so well, so easy to grow. Zones 3 to 11, they grow 6 to 7 feet high. Wow. Yeah. I want to talk about a new squash to me, the chayote. I don't even know how to say it. The chayote squash is technically a fruit, but is eaten like a vegetable. It's kind of like a cucumber. And um, you can eat it raw. You can eat it cooked, braised, fried, roasted. It's sautéed. I bet you could sauté. Deep fried, yeah. You, you you could do all the things to it, Christy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could. Uh, this it this just sounds amazing. It is found on the Gulf Coast of at, in Florida and also in California. It needs the heat, I think. I don't mm. know. I don't even know if we can grow them here. We get heat though. We do get heat, but we don't have a very long growing season. Oh, yeah. And I know we have listeners in California and Florida, so I thought I would give that out for them. Now, do you ever use a loofah sponge? Yes. Do you know where it comes from? I'm going to guess the loofah vine. I thought it came from under the sea. Oh, (laughs) I always thought it came because it said the word sponge. sponge. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people feel, but you're right. And SpongeBob comes from under the sea. Under the sea, as do mermaids and everything like but that. But loofah sponge does not. It does not. It is a vegetable in the squash family. The zones are seven and higher. 
You can do it if you're zone six, but you have to start it inside. And you can either grow it to eat it, or you can let it dry out and the insides become a loofah sponge. So if you could do zone six inside, we're kind of sometimes zone sixy here in the Denver metro sometimes, area. Sometimes I think we're moving toward that. You can start it inside and move it outside. What a yes. fun experiment that would be. You know, that'd be fun for kids too, wouldn't it? It would be so much fun. Now, but be careful because they can grow up to 30 feet long. And if you are in a more northern, you are not going to have as many fruits per vine as a longer growing season. There are places where this is a perennial. Wow. Yeah. We don't live in a place like that. When you have all these vines, Edith, yeah. you can let them run on the ground. That's called scrambling. Let them scramble. Uh Or you can support them, which means giving them something that they can climb up toward. Yes. For example, all my roses are on a lattice structure, my climbing roses. So lattice that you can get in a hardware store or a big box store is a great way to support climbing things. You know, I have a wire mesh fence. They are no longer very popular. You don't see a lot of them. But they are so perfect for the grapes, the spaghetti squash. The curry squash that I have, they're, they're great for that. They, you know, they go in and out. The tendrils go in and out. You know, a, a cattle fence would be great for that. An electric fence? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, before they electrify it, Edith, uh-huh. it's a piece of metal that's created like a chain link fence, right? But it's uh-huh. a piece of metal that has open spaces in it, and it comes on a roll. Are you sure it's not called chain link fence? I'm sure, because okay. it's square. You know, like a chain link oh. fence would be like, a, it's a, like a little Mm-mm-mm-mm. diamond. Mm-hmm. So it'll mm-hmm. have open square things. And not only, so that cattle fencing, you can make ca- tomato cages out of it, but you can also, you can also bend it so it could become an arbor. Hey, you can make, that's what it, to be used in the make your own compost bin that we have up on our blo- on our website. Exactly right. Welded wire mesh. Listen to us using words like we're construction workers. Welded wire mesh. Obelisks are also a great style that you can have things grow up. A what? An obelisk style. An obelisk. Uh Uh-huh. It's like like a teepee. Oh, okay. Okay. I have one that's made out of uh, pea sticks. Pea sticks. Uh Uh-huh. A pea stick. So if you ever get... A plant that has a little stake in it is usually made out of a pea stick if it's supporting it. Okay. It's a, it's a natural way to have a support on it. And so I have um, an obelisk that when I do grow peas, that they will use that as their support system. Okay. And you can make support out of wood. You can make it out of bamboo. Uh, you can take an old window frame and fill it with lattice. And boom, you've got a great support system. Oh, what a beautiful idea. I love that idea. Or an old door frame and fill that up with the cattle wire. And boom, you've got a beautiful support That's system. That's wonderful. Hey, speaking of support systems, and could could we talk about my Concord grapevine? Yes. That is native to this country and it's native to here, which means apparently I don't have to take care of it like ever. Honest, honestly, I've had that thing for decades. I ha- I don't water it because the hose doesn't reach that far. That was kind of a mistake, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Okay, it didn't kind of occur to me, get another hose attached, but I didn't do that. But you're supposed to reduce watering when they're young anyway, so you encourage the plant to harden off to prepare for winter. And when it gets older, it doesn't need because it goes way deep into the ground like a tree does. It's it's like my trumpet vine. Yes. 
Yes, it there is. There could be a, a drought and that trepid vine's going to live because those roots are so deep. Uh, so Your grapevine I, is beautiful. It is. It, it is. Thank you so much. Um, it also requires apparently uh, pruning, but I have not done that either. And it still gives me tons of grapes. Hi, Edith. Christy. Guess what time it is. You have that look on your face. Could it be mailbag time? Ring, ring. Here he is. Oh, look it. He brought a letter. I'm going to read it now. Hello, ladies. My sister introduced me to your podcast, and I've been binging. What? Binging. Binging. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. bing. <laughs> I've been binging. <laughs> okay. Almost caught up. I have shared upside-down tulips with our mother, two of our brothers, and a girlfriend. I am trying out the winter sowing, and my snapdragons are getting pretty mossy. Hoping the columbines and milkweed do so soon. Anyways, quick help question. We have a bunch of thistle plants that we inherited when we bought our house. I am fighting a never-ending battle of plucking that weed and not winning. My question is, can you recommend a glove that will keep my hands from getting torn up by the thistles? Thank you in advance, and thank you for such a fun podcast. Love your show, Jenny from North Glen. Well, a lot of times when you're in the stores now, you can find a glove that actually has rubber on it. In fact, a lot of my garden gloves have that. So they're not just... Ooh, like a rose glove? Not as strong as a rose glove, so it's more flexible, but it just Uh has like rubber on the outside of it, so it's not all fabric. Okay, okay. That helps against a lot of things so that your hands don't get scratched up. So that's what helps me. Um, I feel sorry for her for having to deal with thistle because that is one of the worst weeds that is out there. There's a lot of thistles in Denver this year. So I've many. I've noticed it in Well, my it's considered a noxious weed in many states. And a thistle plant is a perennial weed. That Ooh. means it comes back every year. Ooh. And it can live for many, many years. It's good to get it when it's the seedlings or new plant. It's easier to get them out. Um, if you have one that's been around for a while, one of the best defenses against thistle is to deny them real estate. So plant a lot of stuff around mm-hmm. it to deny mm-hmm. them the ability to do it. You can also cover them. So mulch can help eliminate thistle seed germination at least and smother the new plants. Uh, try suffocating it with a flat, heavy object. So take a piece of wood with a stone on it. If it's already there, and and in about two or three months, wow, (laughs) the thistle, if it's denied water and sun, can die, and then you need to dig up the roots and get the whole thing out, because if you leave the tiniest little bit in there, it'll grow. Mm. Um, If it's in your lawn, you know, just mowing it will just keep it down to its level, so it prevents it from maturing. It won't kill it, but at least you won't get seed spread everywhere. Uh, digging it out is really tricky. Um, the roots can wander in from your neighbor's yard even. Oh, no. Um, so you want a sharp weeding tool to get down in there and remove as much as the we- as you can. And as a last-ditch resort, the best way to get rid of thistle is to get some goats. Oh, yeah. Get goats, goats. Goats love thistles. Steal them from a yoga studio. They don't really need them. <laughs> They're just being trendy. And hopefully... This will be the end of your thistle problem. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Wasn't that clever? 
Hey, send us your favorite gardening stories, successes, flops, and et cetera. We, we love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We want to hear your stories about your weeds. Why don't you write to us at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail or at our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Do you see a theme there? I do. Anyway, you can also check out our show notes. Softly, the piano music comes on, so we know it's time for inspiration. What do you got, Christy? This week's inspiration is from Monty Don. The biggest obstacle to good gardening is the desire to know the answers and not the questions. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds like life itself. Deep, very deep. Thank you, Christy. That was a good one. Very, very thought-provoking. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. We hope to be thought-provoking, laughter-provoking, etc. <laughs> we are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour-Larson. Who you can call Sweet Pea. Now, <laughs> if you got some laughs and some value out of Upside Down Tulips this episode, would you do something for us? Please share the show with a friend who might also appreciate it. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you'd like to hear more of Denise's music, go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. A big thank you to our kind and talented friend and actor, Jeffrey Parker. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Join us next week for everything to do in the July garden. Now don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down. I thought I was your little sweet pea. A little sweet pea. Sweet pea. <laughs>